A E A twelve or something like that. Yeah, I don't think we need to give uh, but, but I, power to that name. <laughs> You have all your stuff? I think so. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of How I Hear It. There should be a different melody we have for that. How I Hear It. it. How I Hear It. Uh, My name's Jordan. How I Hear It. Sorry. I'm Jordan and this is Max. It's me. And we've got a great show for you today. Uh, later on, we're going to talk about comfort zones. We sort of each challenged ourselves, challenged one another to look into or like dig into an artist that maybe wasn't something we were super familiar with. Um, and we'll get to that later. But first, we've got some of our incredibly fun recurring segments. Um, yeah. But first, uh, before all that, how are you doing? What's going on? I'm all right. I feel like, um, you know, quarantine is just like, it's, it's, it's not that it's just hitting me, but now that everything's kind of opening up again, I feel like I'm like, just just like things are aligning right now and like just meet my personal journey of trying to feel like productive and centered and all this kind of stuff uh, yeah is like coinciding with things starting to open up and like my job hitting me up and, and saying like hey we're gonna start opening up again um which you know signals the end of my uh, unemployment golden goose yeah so um in, in the near future so like whether or not i go back to that job so anyway just it feels a little bit like i'm like feeling more alert and i don't really like what i see and uh i don't know um you know like i feel like i was in a little bit of a la la land like lucky enough to be kind of like hiding from you know like yeah uh, the ways the ways out like the stuff that's obviously affecting so many body so so many people in, in so many ways um is finally affecting or like it's not that it's finally affecting me but it's like in a more direct way so um yeah it's a rude awakening uh yeah but but yeah managing it and i i'm doing more stuff in general so it feels good like i feel like more prepared and equipped to to kind of face it but that's great yeah yeah i mean i've been i've been working uh weirdly on making uh the the bar a to-go operation which is strange Mm -hmm. and has all of its own like weird problems and you know solutions that no one is prepared for no one knows how to make any of this stuff work so it's kind of weird but it's been cool because i have been connecting and talking a lot more with other people who are in the industry and just like you know more than anything else just as like a group therapy type of thing of like dude Mm. what what happened this week in uh the wild world of to-go packaging you know right Um, right that's been cool but yeah I've, i've just i've been reading i've been watching a lot of 
probably too much TV, listening to music a lot. Uh, I think, yeah, I feel pretty centered lately, which is nice. Beyond nice. all the, all oh, the yeah. work stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm aiming for that place right now. And I'm like starting to do a couple things beyond like the kind of weird scrolling hole and stuff that I keep falling into on yeah. my phone and whatnot. But, um, but yeah. Happy to be doing this. Talk yeah. Right too. Yeah, me too. I'm glad we do this. You know, it's it's crazy that it took all of this for us to be able to just start doing this, like you know, once every couple of weeks, maybe. Which mm-hmm, is great. Totally. It's plenty of time to like sit and think about stuff, listen to stuff, and yeah. Well, it's a lot like growing out a mustache in uh, in quarantine, actually, because it's much like that. You know, everyone's like, you know, like. I think podcast listens are, are just kind of down in general because people are like maybe not commuting, going to work as much as they were like on the kind of time when most people listen to podcasts. So it's kind of a safe time for us to just, you know, podcast kind of irregularly and kind of get our bearings and that kind of stuff. And, and grow out our mustaches. Yeah, you should you should get it, a, you know what I mean? a selfie yeah. that we can put on Instagram of your mustache. It's uh it doesn't look real. Maybe it's just because we're on video chat, but it really doesn't look real. <laughs> oh, good. I think good thing I hit my mic. Yeah. It's real. Uh, so let's should we jump right into Max's music facts? Yes, mustache edition. Absolutely. And we sort of talked about this. I have a mustache right now. Yeah. <laughs> we sort of <laughs> talked about this a couple of days ago that it's this is increasingly more difficult on my end to find well, music so news that it's, it's all just yeah. really crazy and weird, you know, uh, like it would Max be too easy fact. to say like the Grimes and Elon Musk named their child, uh, you know, like a robot's designation per it, manufacturing yeah, well, period or something. X A E A 12 or something like that. Yeah. I don't think we need to give uh, but, but I, power to that name. <laughs> Well, I, just, I just wanted to back up a second because if you if you don't know if you're listening and you for some reason you don't know Max's music facts is a segment where Jordan reads music headlines uh, or he makes one of them up mm-hmm. reads two others that are real and I have to guess which one. What he's saying is it's getting a lot harder. It's, uh, it's <laughs> just getting harder to come up with. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, it's it's really hard to make one up that doesn't already sound like it could be happening. Uh, but it, it is a lot of fun, and there's a lot of stuff that I have to, like, really restrain myself from just sharing with you anyway, like, from just right, forwarding right. you that link on Instagram or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. So I mean, that's good to know you're sending me the, like, you're sending me the bad ones. You're sending me the best ones. Sending you the bad ones. But, um, yeah. so, I mean, the one that I sent you that I think we should just talk about before we get into the game, maybe, is the um, hackers who... Yes. leaked files uh who, who yes. were trying to get lady gaga's law firm to pay out millions of dollars or they would leak some of her files and this was like contract agreements and things like that right um, which obviously she didn't want to get, have leaked but they tried to call the hackers bluff or no they got uh, another agency or s- another group to fight against it or, or something like that and they went ahead and leaked right. the files and then doubled the ransom amount and said that oh they were going to go after Donald Trump next. 
which is just so crazy. There's so many questions I have, like, why is Lady Gaga the target of sure. a cyber attack? I mean, look, we haven't, I, I haven't seen the, the documents. Maybe the Maybe answer's there. You know? Sure, yeah. But also, if they're on yeah. the scale where they could be, you know, doing this to Donald Trump, why not start there? Why start yeah, Why start with Gaga? Place. Like, where is Lady Gaga in the context of the, the greater geopolitical world program? You know, is she somehow fitting into a place that we just aren't aware of? I don't know. I think she, you know, since it was kind of reason that she'd be at the top of the yeah kind of global hierarchy here. Sure. Um, alongside, you know, yeah, Donald Trump, um, Grimace from McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> Bradley Cooper. Uh, Bradley Cooper, George Clooney. <laughs> this evil cabal. It all makes sense. It all makes sense somewhere. I mean, I'll I'll get on it and try to see what else I can figure out. But yeah, I've heard he's actually this guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so are you ready for Max's music facts? Wait, 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 I feel like there's one more thought that I had about about this. Maybe okay, it'll, it'll come to me. Yeah, let's, let's go. Okay. Um, so we've seen a lot of, uh, you know. A lot of uh, Supreme has been dropping these like My Bloody Valentine shirts, stuff like that. Mm. They're kind of doing like uh, right. '90s. Should have written this down. It was like a '90s thing. So they did My Bloody Valentine. So it's sort of like a Supreme. Is it like a Supreme X? My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, but the they're like collabs, or they're like, um, right? You know, like My Bloody Valentine is like, yeah, definitely, you can put out our shirts, which just seems so weird to me. Mm-hmm. But it has happened. Uh, they just announced the next one that they're going to do as a collab for these like different '90s bands that were huge and influential is going to be with Fugazi, which is crazy. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And we we've also seen a lot of people are trying to take advantage of the the PPE, personal protective mm-hmm. equipment, um, and mm-hmm. one of them the most recent to capitalize on that is '80s punk band Devo. Who are, have re retrofitted, not retrofitted, I guess, refitted their energy dome hats and to now include face shields. Um, Whoa. Which is pretty wild. Are they looking. red? I think so. Yeah, okay. that's the original color, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so they're connected somehow? It's like a strap? Well, it's just like the energy dome hat and then it has like a shield that goes over your face. Oh, so, so more like a like a screen in front. Right. Okay. Yeah, not like a yeah, mask, but like a face shield. I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, um, and then the next one is bands like Kiss and Slipknot, uh, and others have now postponed their the the mega like tour festival cruises uh, that they used to okay. do. They've now officially postponed yeah. them all until summer of 2021, uh, which means they've had to. Uh, reimburse fans up to like ten thousand dollars for some of those tickets wow man, i can't believe that uh yeah the, the limp biscuit cruise can't happen now that sucks man. yeah that was the big news to me was sl- that slipknot has the cruise tickets. yeah oh it was it was not Lim- limp biscuit no it wasn't okay that's that's just more believable because slipknot yeah they'll they'll play a lot of venues they'll play a boat sure they'll play whatever 
whatever, yeah, whatever you want. Okay. Um, give me the skinny on the second one again. On the second oh, it's, one. Oh, it's the protective gear. Devo, okay. yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Okay. Huh. Yeah, the first thing I thought you were going to say when you brought up Kiss was that Kiss was, was um, rebranding as something that, you know, didn't, like, was respecting social distancing. Because Kiss, because Kiss wouldn't be good. Yeah, I'd be like Air Kiss or like Air Hug, huh. Hover Hand, something. I don't know. That'd be fun. Um, man, I think as you were speaking, I was like, okay, there's. I don't think it's ever been the first one. This is the way that I approach this. Like, I just like game theory. This, uh, like, like, it's hardly. I don't think it's ever been the first option that you've just been made up. You have to like, get you. I think you feed me like a real one. Oh um, right. I do think. It's, yeah, I think it's between the second the second and the third yeah you know what i think would be the fun i mean let's pick what i think is the funniest thing which is that actually slipknot and kiss have have not canceled their curses i think that's the lie that's uh incorrect damn it they did cancel that is what i was hoping for that is that you would think they would be like staunch holdouts and be like no we're still doing the cruise (laughs) and and that that's what if there were a limp biscuit yeah, maybe that's probably true. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Damn, which, was it the first one? Yeah, uh, Fugazi's never made merch. They aren't ever going to. Oh, that's merch. right. Okay, god damn it. Oh, see. Ah, shit. That was a really good. It was a big giveaway there, too, in my mind. I know, and I, and I, and I clocked it, too. I did. Yeah. I think you noticed me clock it, and then I literally just forgot about the Fugazi. You did clock it. Damn it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's also well, crazy that they're doing like my bloody Valentine at all. Uh, I was trying to think of good bands for that too, and I thought of like Meat Puppets or just like kind of like really See, out I, there if, and if obscure I were more ones. Chris, I I can't make any excuses, but uh, if I were, you said if I were more I, yeah. crisp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if I was on Next point right time. now, this, yeah. would, this wouldn't have happened. Well, um, I'm getting soft. I'm glad that we're back at. Uh, me winning that game. It does feel like the the scale has been rebalanced, honestly. Absolutely. I don't yeah. I don't like being on top. I feel more comfortable as an underdog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think everyone roots for you more that way. Is that? Oh man, it's kind of like the replacements, honestly. Sure. Great segue. <laughs> But before we we go to that segue, um, do you have a a meme for us this week and or an org that we're going to give a shout out to? Yeah, um, in terms of in terms of memes, um, I think I want to start by just like sending you an image here. Um, That's definitely what makes for good podcast audio is for well, you to for you to text it. me an image i mean look so there's been like some, some music related images that i've been seeing these aren't exactly memes <clears throat> but i mean it is you know but it's not like like the text caption style but do you see what i'm talking about here where i've got uh a man with a disc a uh well, actually it's unclear what the gender of this person but a person wearing a denim jacket yeah. has a dick man stuffed 
probably a third of it actually fits into her jacket pocket. Sure. And the rest is sticking out. And I think it, whatever the caption I saw associated with like something associated like, you know, you're a real nineties kid, like something along those lines. Um yeah. but it just really hit me in a really deep place of having had a disc man that actually looks like I think was bulkier than what this one. This is a pretty slim one. Um, honestly, probably doesn't have the stabilizing technology that that would help it not skip. Yeah, um, yeah. This is a pretty basic disc man, honestly. Uh, I had a one with like a bolt with it that was very elaborate, and of course, like something to, to avoid it skipping when you were walking around with your disc man. Which didn't really work but, um, that well, but it was good to know yeah. you had it. You know. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, and that it was on that disc man that I first heard the album that first popped in uh, blood sugar sex magic oh wow my life changed forever. yeah yeah so this is so, a great image yeah, it takes me back for sure too just having this enormous piece of what's supposed to be a portable music player and you know like top of the line uh or maybe not top of the line i don't, I don't think i ever had like a brand new thing it was always like hand-me-downs yeah. but i was just like oh my god a new cd player this is crazy just like yeah. the features that you would get like you could shuffle songs i remember being able to do oh, that yeah. and that like changed yeah. everything i was talking to someone the other day about do you remember mini cdrs like the tiny ones mini? yeah they were like no, miniature no. and they would hold like four songs maybe it was like uh-huh. like 20 minutes only uh, i remember putting being able to put two black sabbath songs on one and i just made i put Whoa. like all of paranoid <laughs> became all of these separate mini cds you know i don't i don't know why i did that i just thought it was super cool because i could just pop a mini one in and then i think maybe it just gave me more (laughs) opportunities to to flip through my little binder of cds you know so someone would be like oh wow he's got a lot of more control right maybe yeah i don't know it's a great image yeah it's not really a meme but not really a meme. I also sent you one another one. It's not really a meme. I, mine, mine is this really is a, not. A I'm pretty sure this is a meme. You think that's a meme? Okay, because it does have the text thing. But again, it's not really like a joke so much as just wait, what it is. Just, an just like a, a, a comment. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a Creed album cover that I've never really listened to Creed and I've never seen this album cover before, and it's bonkers, honestly, because what we have is uh, a tree. And someone in the foreground, you just see their arms, their heart, they're chiseling some face, some men's faces out of it. I imagine this is members of the band, but it looks like terrible quality Photoshop. Yeah. That <laughs> priced these man's visages into the bark here on the tree. And uh, the comment associated with it, and there's like a, like a weird painting. I don't know. It's, there's so many, it's all in, the image is so um, inconsistent in terms of like the style or something. And then the person's comment is just that yeah well and i think it's important to mention also there's no real clear i don't, I don't know what we're supposed to look at here what is the takeaway that this person has been chiseling faces into into a tree that right outside of the parts that have been chiseled away the bark that's been chiseled away and then has had faces photoshopped onto it <laughs> looks uh, pretty alive and well for a d like a cgi you know, like a 1991 right. CGI tree. But then in the background, it's like clouds of heaven or a sunset like or something. A tarot card. Yeah, it's like six different tarot cards that have got shredded <laughs> and then taped back together. 
And if you wanted to be following along, this is the album cover for Weathered. Weathered by Creed. Um, by Creed. So I think this is, yeah, like the, the takeaway is supposed to be here that, um, that like Mount Rushmore, these titans of rock, of, of, of um, you know, uh, adult uh, contemporary alternative, uh, <laughs> you know, are like, are, um, they've been through it and they're grizzled. Well, then in the background, there's like another guy chopping down another tree. That's right. Which oh, it's like a tree I don't of understand. energy. I guess. I want you to look yeah, now. Okay. I want you to Google search Creed Human Clay. Um, which okay. is hell yeah. Funny I'm enough, really my parents have been before all this going Whoa. to half price books and stuff and getting me tapes and this is one tape they gave me the last time I was home. Oh, okay. oh the last time you were home. They gave me Creed Human Clay. Oh. Thanks, Mom this and Dad. This was kinda of, kind of sick with it, dude. If this came out uh today and it was like uh an electronic noise act, absolutely. Completely. The I want you to try to describe this one for the listeners. Okay. What we have here is what we've got. Is the album cover for it's a crossroads, Jordan. That's what I see. Um, there's two Which is an old rock and roll trope. Old rock and roll goes back to the blues. Goes um, back you know, to... the devil of the crossroads. Um, uh, and so what we have here is yeah, this classic American tale of boundary crossing, of making a pact uh, with, with dark forces that give you success but at a cost. And uh, there's kind of like, you know, like ominous clouds in the distance um and what we see here in the very center of the crossroads is uh, a shrieking golem mm-hmm. whose mouth is like twisted in agony it's like a uh, translucent dark gray yeah they are translucent i guess this is yeah, sort or, of or, what or I... just a lazily colored yeah yeah i imagine okay, that like this it's... is what a wraith or a demon in the sims world would look like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and they're emerging from their waist up out of the crossroads, and they're holding something in their hand aloft. I think it's as a, they, a, as a, a stopwatch. Oh, I, yeah, I like a think. pocket watch or something. Yeah. So, okay, so what this is, I think, is really clear to me now that I know that that's a watch or something. It's like this is a Pink Floyd esque uh, situation that we got going on here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, the anxieties of uh, modern man running yeah. out of time uh, at a at a major crossroads, uh, the end of history in the nineties, uh, and then uh, we all know what happened after that. Nine eleven. <laughs> Human. <color. laughs> That's right. It's pretty incredible. Um. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, do we got any more images? Yes. Um, there's another thing that I want to talk about is, I would say, less. Well, so first, there's a, a light video that I watched of, um, that I can send you. Um, not right now, but uh, it's this uh, kid is probably like one or two sitting and watching his grandfather um, play the saxophone along with a like a song i'm not sure what song it is actually um but the the look of rapture and just like pure joy on the kid's face 
and like I don't know, you just get such a sense of like the relationship and so beautiful and special and glorious, and I want you to see that. So that's All right. that's just something that's nice. Yeah. Um, but there's one there's one more thing that I wanted to discuss, which is um, there was an article I think on released uh, published by Complex that talked about how like, the headline was something to the effect of Billie Eilish has written a whole song during quarantine. I don't know if you saw oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Around. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> she's, you know, she's kind of like a... Uh, a lot of people are suspicious of her, I think, because she's so young and successful that like, a lot of people, they're looking, they're kind of think that was common to hear was that she's like an engineer plant or, or something like that. That like, there's no way that she could be that successful on her own. I do think, I do like some responses. I think she is talented for whatever my opinion matters, which is nothing really to her, certainly. But, um... But she has said some things that have kind of like made other people, other people who like, you know, music fans angry, including like about rap music and, and, and rappers saying that, uh, kind of it's like suggesting that they're less authentic, that they're lying all the time. It's all posturing, right. which is just a bizarre thing to say. You know, granted, she's, she's young and like, yeah, I think you can understand why she would be kind of talking out of turn, uh, but... In any case, it just make, means that people are not very uh, generous when they see this kind of stuff. Where like she's being celebrated for writing one song. The one response that I saw was that, yeah, well, um, uh, Dolly Parton wrote uh, Jolene and oh, God. What was the other song? That other huge song that she wrote in one day. Oh, um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not big on the Dolly. In, in any sense, in any case, that, that was one that I saw that was like, okay, you know, Jolene massive hit and, and another song I think I think it was a song she wrote that was not performed or like not um, originally performed by her or recorded by her but um, in any case that was one that I saw and then I also saw are you familiar with the the rapper Viper? Viper? No. He's I think he's sometimes referred to as a struggle rapper um, and this was kind of related to Lil B to me um, but he has released a ridiculous amount of music uh, in like a single year, he released like dozens of albums um, with <laughs> with names such as uh, Yol Cowards Don't Even Smoke Crack. That's Yol as Y-O-U apostrophe L-L. Right, um, right, right. Kill Yourself, My Man. Okay. Um, you Are Such an Idiot. Um, God Has No, no Love for You. That's a four. Um, and these are like, and you, you have to see them to really, to really get the full sense because it's just like images of his face with, with text over them. But another response that I saw was that, you know, Viper released like something like 400 albums in like one year. What is it? Yeah, I wish done. Damn. Uh, so I think there's, there's a lot of valid ways to respond to it. It's kind of, you know, yeah, celebrating Billie Eilish for, for successfully writing one song during quarantine. Yeah. I, I mean... I think everyone's excited to hear that one song. Yeah, yeah that is the takeaway for sure. I mean, yeah. it better be good, honestly. Yeah, it better be good. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, that was. I know that was uh, disorganized and not really about memes, but it was about music. <laughs> I think it hit the target. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh. But I. Uh. Before we dig into the the main part of the episode um i don't know 
if you've been following this, uh, it's, I've been seeing some articles about it recently, but uh, there was a bunch of federal aid that was supposed to, that was like earmarked to be um, used for relief for Native American uh, people living, living in, you know, because there, there's a, uh, I mean, we know that this land was originally inhabited by people that we, you know, we call Native Americans uh, of super, like there's like so many different people across the country. Um, and that they're in many cases like boards of the state that don't have full um, mobility and, and rights. And that part of the pact um, that, has been, that has been made historically to like, that was completely unjust and exploit, exploitative to like take their land and give them whatever like pittance of, of federal aid. Um, this kind of an, an ex has failed at every turn and been like, you know, characterized by lies and, and, and stealing and, and genocide, honestly. And um, this is another example of that, of there's a bunch of money, not nearly enough, but earmarked for, for this relief and none of it has been paid out. Um, so I've been seeing this making, making the rounds and one organization that is being called, oh, so and now in the middle of pandemic, you know, I mean, that's, that's what this relief is for, is for communities that are, their hospitals are super impacted on reservations, they, and they're already, like, many of the facilities are inadequate to begin with. Um, yeah. People not being able to to work, like, compounding terrible unemployment and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, so Doctors Without Borders is, is one organization that's kind of being called on and is kind of rising to the challenge to help with particularly um, medical relief uh, for Navajo. On, on Navajo reservations where that have been super, um, I mean, just devastated, honestly, uh, by, by what's going on. Um, and then on a more local level, there is a GoFundMe. Uh, so anyway, you can, you can donate to, to Doctors Without Borders. There's lots of ways you can, you can support there. Um, and that, that's super important. But it's also a GoFundMe um, that my mom clued me into for the uh, Amamutsin tribal band. Uh, a local uh, here to the Monterey Bay kind of area, um, uh, a tribal group that is not recognized federally. And so they're getting nothing and, and never have gotten anything. Right. Um, so if you can imagine like kind of all the problems that are, you know, all the, all the issues and challenges facing these, these communities already then compounded with like not even having that relationship established with the state. Like, I, you know, I have been counting on while being unemployed, being able to collect unemployment, you know, and they can't count on that um, for compounded multiple reasons. So anyway, there's, there's a GoFundMe um, set up for them uh, that, oh man, here, wait, let me pull up the, the URL real quick. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I think both great ways to directly help uh, in a, a very dire situation. Yeah, totally. Um, so the, the full title is Ama Mutsun uh, Families COVID-19 Relief Fund. And that's it's spelled uh, A-M-A-H-M-U-T-S-U-N, uh, Ama Mutsun Families COVID-19 Relief Fund. Um, they've already reached, I think, their, their original goal, but the need is, is so much bigger than that. So there's, there's still um, asking for 
Well, awesome. Cool. And then um, we're going to take a short bump here, a little bit of music, and then come back on the other side and talk Can about... We... Huh? I, there's, it, taking a bump makes it sound like we're, like... <laughs> I noticed on the last episode, but, like, just to be clear, everyone, we're not... Uh, we're not doing drugs at this moment. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What, I guess that feels like a radio word. I don't know what that, if that is a radio it's, word. But I think, well, there is a bump, but you don't take it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's just people on radio would would doing bumps. Right. Well, I think that we're gonna take a short. Almost. We're gonna take a short blast, short burp. Okay. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick sip of a Baja blast, and we'll be right back. Sounds great. Okay. And we're gonna talk about comfort zone alright alright folks welcome back to how I hear it Um, we're going to get into this conversation about uh, comfort zones we're going to eventually get uh into like a, a broader discussion or a well more pointed discussion, I guess, uh, talking about death grip, which is uh, something I've been wanting to talk to, to Jordan about for a while. Yeah, if and you're a fan of the show, this is, replacement. you're finally seeing Max's dream come true. If you've been following us for... <laughs> I've mentioned it multiple times. Yeah. I just, sometimes like I just want to be able to like reference something about death grips. Uh, yeah. And if you can't do that until now um so so yeah we're gonna get into that and, and kind of just in general think about um artists that that maybe we've shied away from or something that because there is a little bit of a extra barrier or like stuff as gatekeepers or it's gonna take some extra investment somehow um but first we're gonna talk about a couple of smaller examples um for me uh i have always been curious about the the person known as Lil B, uh, mm-hmm. aka Base God, um, and because that language is filtered through and trickled down, I guess, uh, into internet culture and, and popular culture as a result, like, like things being based, hashtag based, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, sure. Well, let's is, go back a second. Yeah. Like, what's? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what we like the idea for this or for the subject matter of this episode was a comfort zone, right? Let's yeah. like, like, what does that mean exactly? Like when, when, uh, I said that to you, we, we don't talk about this really. Like we don't really, I think I just, all I sent you a text was episode seven comfort zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we just listed yeah, yeah, yeah. names of stuff, which maybe we just have an understanding, but <laughs> I think it's fun to like define that term you know like in my mind i was thinking of someone who's like outside of the range because there are all these factors that play into it you know like your upbringing your friends what they listen to uh you know what your parents listen to things like that that's sort of whether you wanted to or not define the circle that you're going to find yourself listening to you know like i gravitate a lot of the time towards music made between 1971 and like 1996 probably and mm-hmm. usually there's a lot of guitar and you know uh it 
And I, it's hard right, to break kinda. out of that, you know? Um, yeah. It's stuff that you have to force yourself to do as a listener. And I think that's where music starts to get really interesting is when you can put yourself in a place where you can sit with something and try to think about it in a critical way or, or try to place it in this larger context or see it through someone else's eyes. So I guess uh, mm-hmm. in terms of comfort zone, like uh, I, I, I don't totally mean sitting in front of uh stage while someone has a contact microphone and a distortion pedal and your ears just are ringing for a few days and i've done that before and it's Mm -hmm. as a form as an art form as a a form of music i think like the expressionist noise movements that have been uh that have been around for a long time are are awesome there's a lot of interesting Mm -hmm. things that can happen but it's not like I guess we weren't thinking about comfort zone in terms of like, is this music like extremist in some way? And some of it is, but it's not like, uh, it's more like here's stuff that's hard to get into and here's what we learned about it, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so for, for me, like as a preface to the whole conversation and like, and also to, to little B like, um, there's something to me that I've always felt has been kind of impenetrable about like, like as, as hip hop and, and some version of that culture and rap and has moved to like become the mainstream of, of music and of pop music. Um, like one, one of the features I think of that is like a lot of really ultra specific regional slang and, um, you know, stuff that is like really specific to, to, or at some point was indigenous, right? To like a group of people who were just friends and like talked a certain way and made music a certain way. And um, as it's kind of flipped to the mainstream, it seems like everyone's having a conversation where they know what they're talking about and what all these words mean, and I don't. Right. So yeah, yeah. Like, the times that I've successfully used um, what used to be called rap genius, which is now just called genius, is literally is just for rap music, like because I don't know what those terms mean. I, I have to like really pull up a glossary to 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 like crack the, the meaning of these songs sometimes. And I think I can achieve some kind of appreciation for it once I understand the literal meanings of those words. But to some extent, I'm just an outsider to that. And that's, that's how it is, right? Um, which isn't to say that I can't appreciate the music, but um, I think Lil B is an interesting example of that because he's, he's been so influential, but he also kind of stands out as like, Sure. Which puts him on the outside of the culture. Uh, he's like an, he's like an outsider insider. It's really crazy the way he's yeah, been able to like position himself. Yeah. Yeah, but in any case, I mean, I don't know if we want to launch right into the specific things or examples that we have yet, but um, that's, that's a situation where I really find that uh, I need to have kind of my hand held a little bit to like, to, uh, I don't know. That's what feels the honest way to like the honest way for me to engage with it. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, well, that's, I think yeah. we're going to find that that's part of uh, all of the artists that we picked, but like, yeah, let's dig in. Like, what is it you think that is, what's the most, difficult thing to confront about little b like if you're if you're trying to start somewhere with his music um you know i found that 
listening to his yeah. early stuff, like the mixtapes and things like that. It's it's really incredible artistry, you know. But it isn't mm-hmm. like it's it's not like a, a, a lot of it sounds bad. A lot of it sounds bad, <laughs> and there's like <laughs> a real issue with like consistency, you know. Oh yeah, because sure. like his vocal patterns his choices uh in terms of like beats or or music or or even lyrics or or the way he delivers stuff are so Mm -hmm. scattered and all over the place yeah yeah, which is amazing and i think you see that kind of artistry work in different ways for other people but with him it it truly seems like you know i think what did he say at some point he has written over some crazy Mm -hmm. amount of songs like there's a mixtape with like 676 songs on it and you know like a lot of them are just like <laughs> yeah. someone's name Ellen over DeGeneres. and over again Ellen yeah DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres. yeah but it's really looking like it's almost it's like if you installed a gopro in like a kindergarten finger painting class like you're just totally. kind of watching these kids are churning out artwork and they're having a blast nanny cam yeah like that's yeah. the more important thing i think is that everything he's doing whether you think that there's like a certain amount of quality or credibility or or anything to it like judging it critically is already the wrong choice like he's for him i think he's just having fun being artistic and creating things yeah i mean like it's interesting well for one i have a question for you which is what is do you have a working definition of based um from what i've looked at I would, uh, he seems to say it's a lifestyle of just being yourself, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is also great. Like he, it's interesting that he's able to latch on to all these different little meanings and quips, um, that have these like pros- profound significance to him, it seems like. Um, mm-hmm. and at the same time, there are a lot of, uh, he's also, you know, he's putting these profound things out in very subtle ways. And at the same time, trying to take like very simplistic and sometimes meaningless things and try to interject profundity into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's this like kind of constant constraint. You're kind of constantly at odds or, or dealing with this contradiction of like, you know, he's calling himself a god and yet he's rapping about like pretty mundane stuff and it's pretty clear that he's like only half-heartedly doing it and some of these tracks um right you know it's like the levels are so skewed it's sort of hard to view and i think that's maybe the hardest part about getting into him is because there's not a very clear narrative established and maybe that's part of you know how he's trying to function but uh uh, and i think that also applies to a lot of the choices we've made as in terms of people to study for this um that there's not a clear narrative to follow and that there's some sort of a, an intent to that. Yeah, but I mean, and, and I would say that, like, to like, yeah, what he when he says the definition of based is like just being yourself. But like, if we look to the example of the base God himself, in terms of like, well, what does it look like when you just do what you want to do? You know, like there's something about like that lack of consistency and that like that not like basically like, not barely controlled, uh, you know, chaos that is. I think the based. Like, that's how I see it used, is, like, often is, like, um, you know, like, based grandpa, for example, would be, like, if there's a, a you know, who knows if it's, tr- if it's real, like, a, you know, lots of, like, simulated text conversations that are, that are humorous, you know, where it'll be, like, um, oh, like, oh, my God, like, we, I, I just had a baby, you know, like, look, your, your, grand, your grandson was just born, and then the grandfather responding, okay, 
and that's it. Yeah, right. Boom. He's grandpa. You know what I mean? Like, grandpa doesn't give a fuck, and he's just saying exactly what he means. That yeah. yeah. Um, but there is something about, like, just following your bliss that is, like, you know, key, I think, to what resonates with people about the, about the little B and his, like, ethos, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, on top of the fact that he's clearly trying to act, like, cultivate an ethos or, like, at least the impression that he has one, you know, that he has, like, a kind of system and a worldview that he's kind of bringing along with his with his music, you know, that uh, I think was, again, like, like prescient in terms of where artist branding and, and kind of internet presence and all that kind of stuff is going um but he's also in a way like something i started to appreciate more and listening to him taking a, a listen to some of his music um was the way that there's kind of a music criticism in it i think in, in a similar way that i've heard uh people people uh, make arguments that the replacements are kind of like have a quality of of mu- music critique or criticism in their work you know or like, like they have this will be writing songs like about Alex Chilton, you know, or called Alex Chilton. Sure. Um, they're like making all these references in a similar way. Uh, Little B, some of his some of his songs, so like the, the based cooking songs, um, are like because he, he has different kinds of songs. And, and if you listen to one mixtape or one playlist or whatever, it's just jarring how huge the genre shifts are um, and the shifts in quality and whatever. But um, some of his like. You know, songs that are about like doing tons of drugs and having sex with lots of women, and then like these kinds of things that are the heightened, ultra exaggerated, ridiculous versions of the same themes that are really common um, in, in rap and hip hop. And it seems like there's no way that he's not commenting on that. Yeah. There's if you listen to how funny it is in a lot of cases, or how ridiculous it is, or how you know hyper violent or or like hyper misogynist, most misogynistic it can be sometimes. You know, it's like it's, it's not really clear whether he's saying that that's bad, but it is clear that he knows that it's funny or that it's like, yeah, there's something ridiculous about it. And he, he makes a lot of references to, to being gay or to homosexuality in ways that I think are on the one hand, like kind of really in line with, uh, with mainstream homophobia, you know, um, and not that significant, but in all, a lot of ways like he's like towing that line and just like by having an album, like, um, you know, I'm happy, I'm gay. Like, like, on the one hand, we can kind of see that, like, you know, that's a kind of, like, very childish joke about, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm gay. I'm happy. You know what I mean? Which is, like, you know, we're, like, okay, that's that's kind of stupid. Uh, but also the fact that he's just a, a rapper and a young guy who puts I'm gay on, the, on his album cover is, like, he's just having a conversation that, like, no one else is having. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, like, no, it's very true. Yeah. Uh, so there's something about, like, when he follows his bliss, that, like, he just he arrives at something that people just want to engage with just because it's so like, I don't know, true to himself. So based. So based. Yeah. And maybe we should say for here, uh, we did make some choices in terms of who we were going to study. And that's, uh, for Max, the replacements, uh, cause I thought that would be a good, you know, outside of Max's comfort zone. And for me, Max chose death grips, uh, as a good, like outside of my comfort zone. Uh, and then we also wanted to talk about Bjork who is intrigued me for a long time. Uh, and has never been someone I could really dive into. Um, and I, I, it's hard to say why that is. I think there's a lot of reasons, you know, and, and with all these people, it's not like I'd never heard a Death Grip song or I'd never heard a Little B song or a, a Bjork song, but 
uh, with all of these artists, there's sort of comes along with the territory, uh, this enormous discography that is spanning like all these different moods and shifts in, in the artist's career, mm-hmm. um, which is already intimidating, you know, because it's tough to know where do you start? Like, like uh, I think for me, I don't want to be a nerd and start at the most recent release, no matter what, you know, Right. I want to start at the beginning right. and that's a good place to start. But then there's all, also all these like different context clues that keep those, mm. these lines that we built as, in terms of our comfort zones in place. Um, so I, I want to talk to, if you're ready, do you want to move on to Bjork? Yeah, well, real quick, I just wanted to comment on something you brought up that I think is really interesting is the way that for ourselves as, as kind of avid music listeners, but also just like when we're sharing music with each other, having people share a, a band photography with us, there's all these ways that we qualify the different albums and the different coordination you could go in, right? And it's true with like any fandom, I guess. But like, you know, there's like a little bit, okay, well, you should really listen to the first album because like that's the truest essence of the band. But like also just know that like their recording quality wasn't as high as it would be later or the production quality, you know what I mean? Like, like there's, or the, but the second album, like that was when they had actually had the production quality and they were still true to their, you know, like there's all these like tropes that we have right associated with like the way discographies unfold and like yeah like oh you're gonna listen to bjork's debut well that's really the be all and end all and like everything is just kind of like a whatever from that or like you know like uh, i just think that's really interesting yeah super i mean it it's crazy i think with all of our there's so many similarities between the people we picked and, and there wasn't any sort of like intention there we just sort of picked right. artists that we thought were tough to get familiar with uh, you know, and because there's a lot of obstacles to get in the way of that, you know, Bjork is someone who is has massively collaborated, like mm-hmm. across so many different genres, across you know language barriers, and you, mm-hmm. across like uh, m- media. She's an actress. She's from she's from Iceland, yeah. She's from Iceland. Um, she was born in 1965. She was, um, I think, what started this path to wanting to really uh engage with her solo work was you know learning about the sugar cu- the sugar cubes a few years ago mm-hmm. which was her like punk band they're i think still probably one of the bigger bands to come out of iceland um but there's you know like all of these different things you have to take into account like uh her acting career her career as a as a visual artist uh her career as a uh, musician or a producer or someone who is like uh, helping like groom different pieces of talents. You know, I learned in looking into mm-hmm. this that she was uh, featured as a sample on a lot of on uh, Death Grips song on a Death Grips. Oh, album, yeah. You know, um, yeah, yeah. And as a huge supporter of that band. Um, but like it's, it's sort of like this. She's so multifaceted. There's this breadth of content that you sort of have to take on i feel like when you're trying to take on maybe just the music but it, it's sort of like mm-hmm. so much more satisfying and fulfilling if you can try to take as much of it in as once um and what uh, what stops me a lot of the time from or what has stopped me from really digging into her music has been that there's no clear entry you know I think her solo record is maybe mm-hmm. the, the most accessible, but outside of that, it gets a little crazy because she has totally a very heavy yeah. accent. Um, her vocal style, you know, as she learns to perfect it is, is a lot of like howling and shrieking 
that's twisted into uh, a very like uh, operatic singing and and she has a, a beautiful voice um yeah operatic is a good word though too yeah and, and she starts to experiment with like industrial and electronic and, and house music and uh and mixing all of these really wild things together um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not even just in terms of music but like uh that album biophilia came out as a series of apps right. you know <laughs> like right, uh, right. Yeah, it was like yeah. 10 or 11 different apps that were then used to help teach children about music and how music works with your brain scientifically right. like it's just like the like it's a monumental scale to try to look at this like even from a computer screen where you can have 100 tabs open like to try to look at all that right and experience it at once is really intimidating totally yeah i mean i i gotta you gotta think that like some part of this is just like for some reason this overlaps in my mind with the conversation we had with about about kate bush yeah and there's some similarities between them Tons. as contemporaries but sure. also inter- like why i think they're both their work is a little bit impenetrable to us at first um i've really come around to like the, the, i mean the, the big kate bush songs everybody likes but like now i really like those songs now that i've listened to them a bunch of times yeah uh, absolutely. again i haven't really i haven't gone deeper than that in terms of like those are the songs that i return to like running up the hill or, or whatever you know like but i can listen to that song every freaking day you know and there's like some songs by bjork that are like for me like i'm more familiar with debut than anything else yeah um, and it was like my art school friends or like my friends that were that have art degrees that like introduced me to her and to her work and especially that album there's something about the kind of like uh 90s like dance to pop moment where uh you know that that whole like kind of underground dance scene was was becoming mainstreamed and like there's all these weird um uh blends of genres like what's that band alpha something foxtrot no what's they called it was like a british like a british group apex twin one more time massive attack no not apex twin i don't know it's um it's, it's a it's, i forget their name is now but uh and it's a group that kind of mixed like 60s pop vocals with dance music in a really we- weird way so it's like it sounds like like the mamas and the papas or something like that like or like singing over like like yeah like electronic music so like it was all that was kind of happening in the 90s and i think she's definitely a part of that but like yeah. songs like uh venus as a boy um uh, uh crying are just like so weird like like the, like tona- the tonality of everything is like it sounds like yeah like weird like fairy machines yeah like <laughs> electronic but... fairy machines you know like twirling or something like that uh and she's just like i don't know yeah it, it does it is kind of alien sounding it's very alien yeah uh, it, and it's kind of jarring in a similar way to some of like some of little b uh little b's music like mm-hmm. there's a jarring aspect to it of like listening to it and just like right. you can't really find the stuff that you're familiar with in other types of music you know that fit within the same right. genre or, sh- or seems like they should you know right so your brain's i think kind of struggling to be like what are you listening to <laughs> like what are like what is this yeah you know what's happening yeah they're both, they're both kind of high concept now that i think about it Very like, high you know concept. what i mean like definitely i think that's maybe a really unifying thing between these two groups and also and and also death grips but explicitly not 
the replacements in some way. <laughs> like, yeah. they're kind of like the odd man out in terms of being high concept, which is not a negative thing at all. But it's just like these are, these other three artists are very much like they have like these mythologies. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that are they're so integral to the experience of listening to their music, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah, yeah. I had a great time listening to to all the Bjorks. You know, like just oh, going through discographies okay. and seeing how things change and like uh really letting myself like pay attention to stuff and and uh yeah i'm very glad i did it's definitely i think that was a big comfort zone thing it's been on my list for a long time of like i need to sit down and like really take a look at this you know yeah yeah arrive my senses that slaps mm-hmm. have you heard that track yeah 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 dude Oh my god! Like it's like it's like that's what I imagine synesthesia. Yeah, like. exactly. And it's like <laughs> I think she's found a way to like really tap into these like neural connections that you make with music. Like, yeah. it's really crazy. Yeah, yeah, and, and but even in um, even in debut, you get the sense that like she's like about sensory overload or or, sen- or like there's something like yeah, just like so immediate about mm-hmm. and, and like and also like. Like, yeah, it's like the kind of feeling of like thinking there's one more step at the bottom of the staircase, but there's not. Or like the kind of like, like yeah, jarring thing of like, oh my God, like, but like you're kind of like jolted into like a, a different range of consciousness for a moment because you're like, it's something so unexpected. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if Lil B is quite like that. Well, it kind of is because it's sort of like you can, for me, like the rhythms of rap and, and um, or, or, you know, that kind of music is like really familiar to me and i and he's following a lot of those rules to a point but then if you like listen in a little deeper or something like that and he's like you know just like it gets to the hook and he's just saying ellen degenerates ellen degenerates ellen degenerates or like whatever it is you're like huh like it, it makes you then turn around and think and look about look at other rap differently or in a heightened way you know what i mean yeah definitely um where you're like oh okay now i see he sort of exposed what yeah. they were what they've always all been doing you know, I yeah. pay attention to it, I guess. Right. Do you, so I think the way this should work, obviously, is we're going to have to end with Death Grips, but do you want to share Damn some it. of your thoughts on the replacements first? No, yeah, I'd love to. Um, yeah, I mean, the first, I, I I was just cruising on YouTube watching the kind of like promo videos they do have, and I realized that I had definitely seen the Alex Chilton video before like black and white um mm-hmm. is it paul westerberg walking around I, I forget now um yeah i think so but i haven't seen it's a that. very like in a while you haven't seen it oh in a while yeah it's just very like extremely 90s yeah kind of music video where it's like, it's like a person walking around like sitting in chairs like that's the premise of the video you know what i mean like which i love and like singing the song um which is awesome but, but also like i remember that moment of like watching that and then just Again, like totally glossing over me. Uh, for me, I've had a um, up until really like the last year or two, I've had a real for me '80s music and '80s rock and and like that moment of, of alternative music, complete question mark to me. Right. Just could not like like what I understood was like okay, hardcore punk was cool. Um, I don't understand how that what happened after that or how that connected to how that connects to indie music or alt music more generally when did that become pop? How does that get us to the nineties and like Nirvana? Like uh, for me, all that's just like a big, like mush. Um, I'd never really listened to 
and N seventies rockets really like a, a yeah a question mark to me. I, up until the past couple of years ago, I had not ever heard the term um, power pop. But a friend of mine who's been really into a punk for as long as I've known him since like sixth grade has like been really obsessed with power pop recently. Yeah, and I yeah. just had no idea what that was. So it's just a different, weird kind of maybe crossing over um, designation of guitar centered, you know, um, kind of aggressive, hard edge music that's also like really melodic and yearning, which is like, it, for me, like describes like everything that I like. <laughs> you know, like, but I didn't know that that was um, sort of a flavor or like a, a, a name for that, you know? Uh, but things like Big Star and, and, and whatever else, and like the replacements fall in this like lineage um, of that and are compared to the Buzzcocks and these people that I've been kind of like learning a little bit more about in the past couple of years. Um, but then they're also contemporaries with bands that I don't really have a firm grasp of either, like REM, um, whose work I've never really engaged with. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so anyway, this is all kind of speaking to like why they, they have felt kind of impenetrable to me. And then you showed me, um, uh, can't hardly wait. Uh, and that song just goes so hard. And, it's, and, it, and it also, it, it's such a good song. And it, as someone who grew up um, listening to ska and as someone who's, uh, a Californian, a California boy through and through, um, that was like something deeply familiar to me. Uh, that like, it had this hard edge uh, that's for me like reminiscent of the kind of like LA uh, uh, 80s music that I that I was more familiar with like I like like Red Hot Chili Peppers or uh, Fishbone and that kind of stuff but it had like that really strong horn section um, and uh, but also like this quality of garage rock which I also have a history being really into like the kind of like psych you know the Sonics kind of kind of stuff people that are like going back and, and doing like rockabilly blues rock and roll like the oblivions and this kind of stuff like i had a big moment with that in yeah, high yeah. school and so there, there are places to kind of um uh do that for me now too but i think up until that point like just like, their, their 80s hairdos and all that kind of stuff just like signaled to me like no like this is not anything i'd ever be interested in um so i don't know i mean yeah ask me another question well, there's, I think there's a point in the 1970s where uh, rock music in America especially gets to be, you know, looking at it retrospectively for the two of us, it gets to be really about like the haircuts. And there's mm -hmm. this sort of narrative that's sold uh, that bands are like billionaires or that they're all like, um, I don't know, you know, we start seeing people like, uh, we start, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, we start seeing a lot of bands that no one wants to care about because it's all about now technical mm -hmm. proficiency and somehow that's taken the soul out of rock and roll. You know, that's where it starts to die. Uh, but then you right. see a band like the replacements and there's this larger narrative, you know, each of them is their own character. You know, Paul Westerberg was a janitor <laughs> at, the, at the school, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but somehow like you're just looking at this janitor say some of the most like profound shit and just like his observations on the human condition put in a song are, yeah. are some of my favorite lyrics ever you know um, yeah. yeah writing a song about how in in a how unbelievable it is and upsetting it is to leave a message for someone on an answering machine like how lost right. your connection to that other human being is when you're trying to say i love you to an answering machine 
insane. Right. Writing a song about yeah. taking the Skyway, which is such a very oddly specific Minneapolis thing. Do you know what that is? The Skyway? Skyway is there is a monorail system in Minneapolis. Okay, yeah. So it's like it's like the, the Springfield or like the um, Simpsons reference. But with that song, the song is so good that it doesn't matter what the Skyway right. is. You know, it's he's talking about like communal travel. <laughs> like he's talking about mm-hmm. how public transportation uh has affected his sense of like longing or uh like belonging or loneliness, you know, and it's so crazy to think that mm-hmm. that's written about a, a public project in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where most people have never been, you know? Right. Totally. Uh, but also like them yeah, I mean, early on with who's could do, you know, their, their relationship with Alex children from big star. And you know, that, that, mm-hmm. that musician who's insane in, in his own right. Uh, there's just so many yeah, yeah. good stories there. I think the hard thing about getting into them is that their career is so spotty, you know? I have yeah. to stop myself a lot of the time well, yeah. from telling people that I got to see them on their, their last tour. You know, they played at the Masonic in SF, and a friend of mine oh, man, wore a friend of mine wore layers of diapers so that he wouldn't have to go to the bathroom during their set, like adult <laughs> diapers underneath his was pants. Twenty twelve. No, when this was, was twenty fifteen. I want to say I don't know. I might be wrong. Okay. Twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen, but yeah, they they broke up. I think two nights after that again you know this is yeah. already after yeah. the yeah, first yeah. breakup uh, but they just they can't work together you know they dragged Tom mm-hmm. they got Tommy to start playing bass to get him to stop doing drugs you know it's right. uh it's the real like underdog story of this ragtag group of musicians who at their best are insanely good and at their worst are right. like at each other's throats we're in it and that like fundamentally just have like seem like they have like people people with compulsions yeah or that like that are not totally in control of their own lives which i think is you know it's a, a common trope for rock stars right but like they're really interesting because of that that kind of tension that like like for example between um because i think i think what i pick up from their discography and why people respect them so much is a real earnestness that kind of shines through yeah but even absolutely. that is like but, but even that is under tension throughout all their music and throughout their career yeah. because like from the very beginning uh paul westberg wanted to write songs that were more sensitive than the other guys wanted to play or and the, that was like an ongoing discussion that they had to have he had, like he would like sneak in right you know songs like johnny's gonna die or whatever um that they didn't really want to do but like i mean like that's kind of a big part of their legacy is like how they manage maybe because of that tension to be like to just have like such like uh, just anthemic and like rocking, you know, music that like like really like shows that they love the kind of they love and understand the fundamental aspect of rock or rock and roll or like just like that kind of like guttural pleasure uh, and, and like passion and just like again like following exactly what you want to do, following your bliss, um, and like they really hit that center. Not a lot of bands do that, and yeah. also give you like like yeah like make you feel more human or like connected to other people like, like it's really rare that like both of those things um happen at the same time but it's not but like like, like their, you know their their career and like you hear their music there's like something there's like a friction there that like those also like destructive sort of to, to their career and i mean not sort of like it was very much like 
or to themselves as people, you know, like there was uh, like a compulsive, like anti-authority thing that they sort of had where it was like, if, you know, they tell us to do this and we're not going to do that just because they told us not to, which just, it just stands out in an industry and especially at a time like in the 80s and 90s when like, on the one hand, there was so much talk about anxiety around selling out and and being fake and being and, and trying to be authentic um but not a lot of people were walking the walk you know that they were in, in terms of like destroying their opportunities at like practically every turn you know what i mean or, like yeah, their yeah. like chances to get to, to achieve like a higher level of financial success or whatever which you know arguably maybe they fundamentally didn't want and like there's something about that that quality that like earnestly um communicated feeling of just like the injustice of the world that like really is communicated clearly you know i mean like bastards of young uh or or yeah i mean i don't know it's, it's, it's an incredible synthesis of like everything that has been attractive to me about what i think about when i think about punk music but then makes it it's like hooky catchy you know uh energetic um has a humanist viewpoint like come on all the ingredients yeah absolutely i mean it's just a big ball of contradictions and they somehow against all odds managed to write a lot of hits yeah so i think like can we answer this then uh what was what factor about the replacements do you think makes them outside of your comfort zone or outside of like ostensibly anybody's comfort zone like are they hard to reach just inaccessible what do you think about that i mean i guess it's like, like i mean like i was saying earlier i feel like it was particularly outside of my comfort zone because um it it, it seems like advanced like an advanced, like like the replacements are kind of an, an advanced case study in alternative music, you know, and the DIY scene, just because of like the, all the subtleties of the story and the way that like they're one of those bands that was a it's a, a band's band that inspired a lot of people and that like a lot like you know um, tons of musicians who listened to that music ended up making their own bands and like they just had such outsized influence um, for outsized in the sense of um, sure. beyond their actual commercial success or like mainstream notoriety. Um, so just the, the fact of like, I don't know. Yeah. Operating at that level of like the background for what at least at that time was like an underground scene, you know, and that increasingly became something that was um, mainstreamed by the time that we get to Nirvana and all this kind of stuff. But, but of course that, that hardly ever means that the underground stories and like the like, um, origins of a lot of that stuff becomes part of the mainstream narrative. So from that, from my perspective, like, you know, <clears throat> listening to, I'm trying to think of like, you know, I, like I heard some new metal and I was attracted to, I would like to hear like, I would listen to like, disturbed or like you know um uh I'm trying to think something that would be even closer 
but but anyway, I mean, you know, my reference points were just like, mm, I, I couldn't tell the difference visually, like looking at some of the like the replacement sure. album cover. They'll cover for like Let It Be between them and like any other '80s band. Yeah, yeah. Like I I, I didn't yeah. understand, you know, like like the like to me it all seemed kind of like dad rock from the outside, which like couldn't be further from the truth. If you know, like, like the three, or like, I mean, the real dads are like weird bohemian art dads, or like dads who used to be, you know, um, uh, uh, like sound people for bands that like went on tour all the time and that kind of stuff. Are those the people who like, you know, like, you know, yeah, play alternative music as lullabies for their children and all that kind of stuff? Or like the people who like went to every replacement show and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's just like it's insular in the same way that like. Or in a similar way to like the Grateful Dead, is you know. No, I know like, what you mean. It's definitely I mean, it's like in the pocket of like uh, record store clerks and stuff like that. That it's like you know that I mean? kind of inaccessibility, which is for a lot of these people. I think it's also like mm-hmm. like the dice roll that you take yeah, on and the other songs just... also lands you at like uh, so many different spots. Like you might get a rockabilly song, you might pick uh a, an acoustic ballad right. a piano ballad you might hit like one of those high soaring 80s anthems it's like kind of all over the place if you don't know where to start or you don't know how to like contextualize it because they were really just like fucking around more than anything else um <laughs> i know right yeah hoot nanny blew my mind uh that album because i mean there's like so much stuff on it and because like, the song you know that uh like a 2010s yeah. era garage band garage rock band the strange boys from texas have you heard of them yeah they have like like really like weird tinny sounding you know like it was like, the whole like extremely lo-fi aesthetic but like some, some fun like hootenanny or like a, i think well, maybe it was a song hootenanny or no it was another song it was um treatment bound that made me think of of that of just like but, but like I don't know it's, it's it, even though they're like doing all this really again like high concept stuff like blending all these genres and making all these references and all this kind of stuff it doesn't come across as like um, uh, conceited somehow which is again it's a really remarkable way they have like the kind of cross rock energy and like attitude in some ways you know but like Managed to blend it like almost like impossibly with uh, what feels like really yeah and this, yeah you know, not mature than like yeah, honest introspection you know yeah so something about that tension is really what I'm get what I'm getting at from them and yeah, yeah definitely like, yeah <clears throat> I guess oh you know what is a good reference point for, is for me is Green Day. Um, as, as like people that like really took a lot if not I'm, I'm sure they were inspired by their business but you know what I mean like there's so much of like that the, the melody and the um, the attitude and all that kind of stuff like that was the version that I got that I understood and like I was like okay like that, that's the way that I can connect or like Blink-182 is like you know that that kind of register is, is um, I can see its origin or it's yeah, for a much sure. richer kind of like text. Uh, I, sort of how do you yeah. feel 
about talking about death grips are you ready should we just glaze yeah. glaze over this yeah yeah i mean speaking <laughs> of rich tech um <laughs> yeah uh hell no yeah i mean so so well i so you yeah leave you me on your me journey listen to or, death grips for a long time I, um, I, I and it's not like i never heard any of their songs um but I did. Uh, I wouldn't. I guess it's it's definitely outside of my comfort zone for a lot of reasons. And there's a lot of things, just like every other artist or band like that that's on that list. There's a, were a lot of things pointing me in that direction. You know, I was a huge fan of Hella um, when that was a thing, uh, because I was just at that age, you know. And uh, that guy's drumming was mind blowing in that band at times where I was like you know very it was very much an influential <laughs> act to like to see or, or to follow um but also like the elements that they that they use like industrial you know highly um yeah i don't know if i'd say highly politicized but very like cryptic and uh sort of like esoteric political messages that are just about like you know like urban blight or, or the psychosis of like the modern urban mind uh mm-hmm. all stuff i'm super attracted to i think i just never checked them out uh more than anything else because they seemed to be uh a novelty like i think that and that's not their fault necessarily i think it's a lot of just the way that the media reacts to these things is mm-hmm. to fetishize anything that's different or like anything that's like yeah. a little out of bounds you know and this it's the same with bjork it's the same with uh, little b it's the same with death grips um it'd be the same with like replacements you know them breaking up on stage or anything like that gets written about in a way that doesn't really characterize them positively you know um so i, I guess yeah. i saw yeah. more as like oh cool like i don't know some musicians who've been around for a while have been experimenting with like noise and uh industrial stuff and you know uh that's great but all that stuff was already around you know um everything I was reading was saying that they were abrasive and there was like this oral assault that you were going to have to deal with, you know? And I kind of knew that that's not true, especially for me. Like that's not the most abrasive music I've ever listened to. Um, There's on the spectrum, you know, maybe within the mainstream uh, of what people would listen to that. That's definitely on that side. That's more abrasive. Um, And they, they are intentionally, I think making like, some sort of an uncomfortable experience for their audience but um it wasn't it, I, don't, I don't know i don't want to say like my expectations were higher because i do enjoy that a lot like like ex-military super good all, all of their in their no, no, records no, seeing totally the path saying, that yeah. they've been on changing things in and out um are super cool i think the disappointing thing to me was that i just didn't I kind of wrote them off because I saw it as another like, I don't know, high ticket item that was just everybody was like so gaga over for their antics. And that for it just doesn't play with me that well. Like, I don't really get drawn into the antics as much as I do like the like right. the people who are hard at work, like honing their crafts and things like that. Yeah. But but I do very much enjoy their music. Um you know, it, that's been a really cool yeah, experience sure. just moving through those records uh, in the past couple of weeks. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, one thing that uh, I thought that stood out to me in what you said was that, um, or rather, I guess just a thought that I had is, uh, you know, I don't have that background in really, like for me, it, it is pretty abrasive, or like, especially when I first heard it, like I remember first hearing it in like 2011 or 2012, like right after they had performed it, I think Coachella, not like when, like, I think, I don't know if it was, it was just ex-military that was out at that point, but like I remember seeing a performance of Guillotine on YouTube, and like someone that who was at Coachella who saw it and was like, "Dude, you gotta check this out, man! Like this is a crazy experience." And I watched that and I was like baffled, you know, and like I just didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. It was it was coming from the opposite end. I mean, who knows? You you're probably listening to like you know wild stuff in 2011 that I you know wasn't really on my radar um so you, you may have reacted differently but i was like right okay this is i don't even get this like i can't even think about it really i was just like that's just weird and then later i came back to it a couple years later and was like oh you know what this is it's for super me good. like it's really I like, like uh, walking this around this makes me like, feel uh, kind of way that too. I it's like uh there's an empowering um, kind of sense you get from it yeah i think it just fell through the cracks for me because of you know yeah wherever i was at in 2011 i'd had listened to music like that before but I, I don't know you know on the spectrum of like you know death metal grindcore and like other noise or industrial acts that have been doing been doing similar well, things but maybe not like, in a, a hip-hop fashion you know or right. considered that um I, I guess it didn't seem like news to me especially the performance aspect of like uh right. seeing so that's crazy yeah, yeah, hardcore right. shows and seeing people like uh, you know, like dressed in drag, like covered in blood, and like performing as a frontman for a, a, a band like that. Like, there wasn't maybe I'm just desensitized to a lot of that stuff at that point. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it just didn't really thrill me as much, but it does thrill me a lot now, honestly. There's like a, a, a time and a place for everything, you know? Like, them playing at Coachella puts that into this context that makes it stand yeah, out so much more than just like the backdrop totally. of me at, at age 21 with like 70 gigs of music on my computer, you know? Right. Totally. Yeah, and, and the person who showed that to me isn't someone who I would be like, oh yeah, like they're like, who would love Death Grips either. It's just like they were literally there. And I've, you know, I've heard their, their shows are, are kind of what you'd expect and it's like, you know, a really intense experience anyway. Um, so it really affected him. Anyway, but, but uh, there's another thought that I had, which is that, you know, I remember when Yeezus came out, which is like, you know, like the harder-edged, more industrial-inspired Kanye album, like my thought process was, right. oh, there's, you know, Death Grips kind of paved the way for this to come into the mainstream, and like, which maybe, you know, have some truth to it, but like, I don't have, I didn't have the reference point then, um, or when I discovered them that you might have been like sure. dude like there's way crazy yeah i think that's important you know, i mean like i mean there's a lot of people that they are reaching around for a minute a lot of people that they uh, reach be, that wouldn't uh, have that some truth about the know, path. like you yeah right right so i think yeah there's some truth to it but again it's like it's similar to the way that uh, dang that's a rough <laughs> that's this is more like the green day to the replacement you know, 
I mean, I, but again, I don't, I don't even know what the bands are that you would rep that you would reference that would be the replacement for that situation. You know what I mean? Like, like what's the, like the real OG noise yeah. industrial project? And like, you know, Death Grips like did their own thing with blending hip hop circuits. Um, there are other groups that are kind of doing similar stuff, like clipping, but they are they definitely more left field than a lot of acts. But sure. there are definitely other gnarly hip hop acts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Really I mean, scary. I guess and, I think it's just you know, you know, to call Death Grips to compare image, Death Grips so. to Green Day. I think it's just fun. It's about Bay Area bands too, which is hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the predecessor would be because there's obviously not a hip hop take necessarily. <laughs> but like, you know, a band like Suicide. Yeah. Um, that's. I think that's one of the really, like, first times that I saw mm, that mm-hmm. sort of. I don't know. That sort of like example of electronic music, yeah, uh, which was like super interesting and and performance wise, you know, like the kind insanity, of or, like the, you know, pushing this yeah, sort of yeah. like deranged persona. I think that's super fun. Right. Yeah, I think maybe another part of the okay thing yeah. with Death Grips is like being like they're so online. Yeah, and like their their, you know, their yeah. like their appeal has so much to do with the internet and has so many references to to internet culture, sort of. Um, that I think for me personally, like that's something that I was I was on the computer a lot as like a you know like young kid going into high school or like middle school and high school, and then I found the group of friends and, and started to do like have more experiences. But there's definitely a path that I could have taken where I just would have been like a complete yeah. internet forum poster child you know or like or adolescent and, and into adulthood you know what i mean like i think there is an that is that possible this so i have a kind of like and i don't feel like i'm extremely online uh particularly yeah like I, a lot of stuff goes over my yeah. head um and everything but I, I there is something that i, I don't know it, something appeals to me in about death grips in the way that like the line in um hotline uh uh, Hotline Bling by Drake, the the one like the, the line in the hook, like he used to call me on my cell phone. This is like something that like a kick that I get out of like people trying to tell stories that don't feel totally forced, that are about things references that I have now in in the 21st century. Like in in the way that like the replacements are like managing to convey this like universal experience with the wrappings of like the answering machine you know right. but it's like that's, that's something that i don't actually have a direct reference point to anymore and so i'm, I'm excited to, to hear music that reflects the fact that a lot of us spend a lot of time on the internet and like what kind of special you know darkness does that like uh create in yeah, our yeah. minds and in our lives you know what i mean like um like the, the idea of like i've seen footage you know like like just they're, they're just like naming a lot of things that are true about like yeah like the, the snuff films that I've seen you know what I mean like as a child and like like the things that like like I've seen on the internet that like wouldn't have been possible otherwise you know or like just just experiences of being a, a person in the 21st century um, it, it feels to me like there's something that they're getting at um, that I think it's not unique to them but the, for me in my in, in kind of my listening experience like it really spoke to me in terms of being like wow like this is familiar to me. It, once I start to like peel away the layers, and also like it's a, it's a 
it requires you it's cryptic it requires you to kind of like interpret and unlock the the, the meanings behind yeah, it which I, absolutely um at the time at least yeah, i think it's I interesting we discovered really four different artists very very different i think and then they're all sort of known for some sort of antics you know all of them have mm-hmm. explored lyrically yeah all of them explore lyrically uh right. a relationship yeah. with like technology <laughs> somehow like there's some big inquisition and like, in relationship with it uh, which is super strange, but they all also like, mm, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, true. It's all like, like a, they're all like a little bit more meta yeah. than that too. You know, like the replacements yeah, singing a... a song called Alex yeah. Children. They're like, it's all, yeah. Like they're all a little bit more like mm-hmm. just high concept enough to be like one step ahead. It right. seems like, you know, which is very strange. Mm-hmm. And yet, well, it's so interesting. I'm trying to think of like another example of like an artist that's like high concept, but like to their detriment, or like without the kind of foundation, or, like the, without the soul, honestly. That like I think a lot of these artists are like I don't know. I think that's more up for debate in some ways. Or like I, I don't know. It just doesn't track immediately for me with Death Grips, but like at least with these other artists, um, I don't know. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like there's they, I think you got to figure out what detriment really means. Pushing, but, yeah, but what what does detriment know, mean? You know, like it's really true of the of the uh, with a really strong could we consider tool a high concept band because right. they, you know, they take a lot of time and they have a very like cult following, and just dropping an album is like this huge thing and yeah, right. No, you're right. Det- detriment. I take it back. I take I take back the value attached yeah, to it, yeah. but you know, like yeah, thinking yeah. about like an album like uh, uh, Trout Mask Replica, you know, on some Captain right. Beefheart shit, where it's just like I don't enjoy that particularly. Uh, I appreciate it as a thing, and like there is some Captain Beefheart that I like, but most of it that I the music that I like is like him just kind of aping like blues music or like just kind of making a straight ahead song, and like it's just a little bit weird because he's a little bit weird, but like I kind of just like. Like the immediacy of pop music and rock and roll, and like I'm I'm willing to go some places and like you know yeah. listen to some like sure. solos and like I can, that kind of stuff appeals to me. And I'm down to go on a journey, you know what I mean? Uh, but I always want to come back to like the like like the kind of visceral quality that I get from like yeah the kind of immediate um, uh, sense that I get from all these musicians that we, that we were just talking about. Uh, you know, yeah, will be, you know, included, uh, and like death grips and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, like I just like they hit me in a way where I'm just like, yeah, like I, I, I want to feel, I want to be in this song. Um, you know, like, like like some of my favorite death grips yeah. songs are songs like, yeah, yeah. Uh, did you did you listen to much off of um No Love Deep Web? Um, some, some mm-hmm. of my, I just really like the bangers. I just really like their bangers, like uh. <laughs> Uh, Stockton, the one's like I'm bouncing. Whoop. Uh, like uh, Hunger cool. Games is one of my favorites because it has such a, a cool like counter rhythm. I don't know. It's, it's, it's like playing several rhythms off of each other, and, and then like a classically, I guess, Zach Hill way. Um, but it's all the all the interlocking rhythms and the ways that uh, the the kind of the sounds that 
Ride is making in, in his delivery of the lyrics, like it, it's, it's working on every level in terms of like the, the affect that he's putting into the lyrics, the, the, the content of it in terms of like, you can't understand it, but the sounds are perfect and they're scary. And then like, if you read it, you're like, oh my God, like I don't really still understand it, but it's like all the, all the feelings that yeah, each yeah. word together makes me feel is like, you know, you just get the sense that it's what he intended. Like there's like a real like clearness of purpose and efficacy of the kind of delivery, you know what I mean, of all that. Like it, it's like a it's like a um a movie that I really like, like an aesthetic or whatever that just really appeals to me. The story about you know in, in getting inside the mind of, a, of madness, you know what I mean. Which is like I think there's problems that kind of story in storytelling for sure, but getting at something which is I think meant to be kind of universal about like this is what it feels like to be in the belly of the beast, you know, like we're in a twisted world and uh, yeah, this is, these are the ways that it works you, you know, or like, the, or like these, you know, a lot of musicians have done this, you know, like uh, I'm thinking of like the, the Dent Kennedy's album cover where it's like the, the starving African child's hand in a, um, a big white hand. Right. And it's like, uh, I feel it's something about half moon Bay or something like that. It's like the, uh, the title of the album yeah. is like, you know, that's something about that yeah, really yeah. appeals to me. That idea of like, we need to shock the, ourselves and shock the system. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so I, I think it's interesting that you're coming from a place of like, I've already kind of been shocked. You know, like, or, like there's nothing, nothing all that shocking to me about, um, uh, about death grips in particular. But like, but you're like, I'm, you know, I'm, now that I'm coming around to it, I enjoy yeah. it. Like, I had a really different experience of being like, yeah, wow. I think I like music that's kind of shocking, you know? I mean, like, yeah, which I, like, I think is really, really important like, for everyone to have that experience. You know, this is what the whole episode is Never about, right? Like, that. stepping outside your comfort zone or finding these, like, little footholds in to another, uh, like, be- another place beyond your boundaries that you've set up uh, or that have been set up for you. Yeah. So I'm really glad we did this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks Same. for listening. An- another success. Cool. Well, we've done it again. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we'll be back soon with another another heater. <laughs> <laughs>